At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up from Welcome to Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And this podcast today is brought to you by DraftKings and Prop 27. Vote yes on Prop 27 because it will get Californians all caught up where they need to be being able to bet online if they are 21 years or older, much like much of the country. Those of us out here in lovely Las Vegas obviously can. The great state of New York, Pennsylvania, you're able to go on and on. Meanwhile, Californians have been left out in the cold, so let's get them caught up. Vote yes on Prop 27 and vote yes on a great podcast today as Joining me in segment number two, we're going to be joined by one of my good friends, Justin Perry, terrific handicapper, does a great job in the NFT space, but on top of that, he does amazing work over at Shot Quality Bets. We're going to be taking a look at just gauging today's board. He's going to be a little bit more, shall we say, conservative with the plays, but we're going to be taking a look at some of the big series, just some of the angles to take a look at in terms of teams in which you don't have to question the motivation on as much as well, and what we're going to be seeing in terms of the National League playoff race as well. That's coming up in segment number two. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM, maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we got a great day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. 
games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about? Here is the rowdy recap. The Atlanta Braves made a statement on Friday. 5-2, they take down the New York Mets as Jacob deGrom for the fourth straight start gives up at least three runs. He gives up three in six innings, giving up three solo home runs as going deep off of him. Dancy Swanson, 23rd home run season. Austin Riley, 38th. And then Matt Olson is 31st. From there, Trevor McGill comes out of the bullpen, gives up two runs in two-thirds inning. Trevor May he gets an out of the bullpen, and Yuli Rodriguez in scoreless inning. And for the Mets, you did have Tomas Nito go deep off of A.J. Minter for his third home run season as Max Fried. Not a ton of length, but you know what? It was solid. Giving up one run in five innings. Call me Q, Rossio Iglesias, Kenley Jansen from there. All under scroll is saying, though, things got hairy when Jansen came in, and you did have A.J. Minter give up that solemn run, but big win there for the Atlanta Braves as both teams down 98-59. and 59. The St. Louis Cardinals didn't do it comfortably, but Albert Pools gets home run number 701 to power the Cardinals a victory by kind of 2-1 to one as Captain Jack Flaherty. Pretty solid start, giving up one run in six innings. Andre Pallanti, Giovanni Gallegos combined for two scoreless innings, and then Ryan Helsley, a scoreless inning as Pools that is his 22nd of the year as he cranked that one off of Johan Oviedo, the former Cardinal. Not a bad start. Two runs given up in six innings. Dwayne Underwood Jr., Johan Ramirez, they both under scoreless inning, but Cardinals are able to get that one to the window. The Blue Jays get an easy winner over the Boston Red Sox. 9-0 the finals. Nick Pavetta gives up four runs, three of which were earned in five innings, giving up a home run along the way as going deep off of him. Mr. Vlager Jr., 31st home run season. Then things got much worse from there as Tyler Danish gives up a home run to George Springer, 25th home run season. Rami Tapia goes deep off of Danish as well in 7th home run season. You had Frank German give up one run in an inning, and his ERA dropped from a 31.5 to a 24, which eh, speaks how bad that season is going. And for Danish, he gives up those two home runs, four runs in total over the course of two innings. And for Alec Manoa, he was terrific. Six scoreless innings. And then Yusei Kikuchi, three innings of long relief, not giving up a run. So that was a bright sign. You had over seven in the Cubs versus Reds game. This was the most brutal push that you're going to find as... 6-1, to one, the Cubs get it done as this game was 6-1 to one in the bottom of the third inning. And then from there, Connor Overton, he comes in and throws five and a third innings of scoreless relief after Graham Ashcraft got destroyed. He pitched like a load of Ashcraft, giving up six runs, five of which were earned in two and two-thirds innings. Jake Fraley goes deep off of Adrian Sampson, 12th home run season in the second inning of Sampson. He gives up just that solo run over the course of seven innings before Roland Wick, Eric Uelman both get a scoreless inning. So the Cubs get the job done, and the Phillies in what was supposed to be a double error turned out to be just one game. They get it done against Washington Nationals by a count of 5-1. Bailey Falter did not live up to his name, and he did not falter. Six scoreless things. Zach Eflin gives up a run in an inning, but Jose Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez, scoreless things out of them, and Reese Huskins went deep in the first inning off of Eric Fetty Wap. 30th home run season for Fetty. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned in five innings. Nothing too bad there. Jordan Weems gives you two scoreless things. Steve Cischek is scoreless things, and then Mason Thompson comes in, gives up two runs over the course of an inning. The Milwaukee Brewers and Miami Marlins figured out have a good pitching matchup with Corbin Burns and Sandy Alcantara going and lived up to it. 1-0, the Brewers get it done as Sandy Alcantara pitches all eight innings, gives up one run. Very fair to say he's a tough luck loser, especially with the Miami Marlins stranding the bases loaded in the ninth inning as one of the fish. That was 
Not great, as Devin Williams got himself into a sticky situation, but scoreless setting after Corbin Burns. Eight scoreless, one that was very much needed for Burns, as he had given up five-plus runs in four out of his last seven starts. The Guardians get to the Kansas City Royals, 6-3. They take them down as Brady Singer's worst start in a very long time. Six runs surrendered at five and two-thirds innings. Carlos Hernandez, a out out of the bullpen, and then Amir Garrett, Brian Keller, both on a scoreless setting. And for the Guardians, they did get a home run off of Mr. Singer as it was Jose Ramirez getting his 29th home run season. He had Singer singing the blues as Aaron Savali gave up two home runs, three runs in total over the course of six innings. One of them was under Ness going deep for Kansas City. Mike Massey is fourth home run season. And then it was home run number three of the campaign for Drew Waters as from there the Guardians bullpen went to work. Cody Morris, two scoreless settings, and Emmanuel Classe. Save number 40 as he turns a scoreless setting. Is right now rocking a buck 40 ERA, so he's been doing a solid job there. The Baltimore Orioles clinch your first non-losing season since 2016, 2-1. Orioles get it done as for Baltimore, they go just one of 12 men in scoring position, but Jordan Lyles was on his game, giving up just a solo run over the course of seven innings as getting that one as Waldo Cabrera, his fifth home run in season as Domingo Derman, not a bad start here, two runs given up in five and a third innings. Zach Britton came into the game, but he issued a walk, and then he was out from there. Ron Medanacchio as he gets five outs out of the bullpen from there. Aroldis Chapman, Scott Efres, both land a scoreless inning, but for Baltimore, Felix Batista, D.L. Hall. They close the door. They get a scoreless setting apiece to get the Orioles into the winner's circle on that one. Getting into the winner's circle, the Tampa Bay Rays. 7-3, they take down the Houston Astros. As for Tampa Bay, Taylor Walls gets his eighth home run season off of Phil Maintenance from Bervaldez. Second straight start that he doesn't go six innings after he went six plus innings in 25 straight starts as he got crushed. Six runs given up in five and a third innings. Ryan Sanic Parabouts out of the bullpen from there without a long run. Hector Neres is scoreless saying, and then Mayton gives up that home run over the course of his inning as Alex Bregman. He does get a home run early on in this game. 23rd of the campaign off of Drew Rasmussen as Rasmussen still completes seven innings, giving up two runs stabilized from there. Javi Guerra, a scoreless saying, and then Colin Pooch. He gives an inning as he allows one run from there. The Minnesota Twins and Detroit Tigers total over was the DK Nation pick. The, I guess you'd call it, streak of non-losers continues. This does not win as it is a push. 7-0, the Minnesota Twins get done. I'm a little bit salty about this one because for Detroit, position player Cody Clements pitches a scoreless inning in the ninth, which that just stinks right there. Tyler Alexander, he gives up three runs in five innings as he was all over the place in terms of command. From there, one run given up in one and a third innings by Miguel Diaz-Boves. He gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning as Carlos Correa takes him deep. Home run 22 of the campaign. And then Andrew Chafin, he gives up a run in an inning as well as the Detroit Tigers. They go 0 of 8 with men in scoring position. Joe Ryan was terrific. Six scoreless innings from there. Emilio Pagan, a scoreless inning. And Giovanni Morin, he was able to turn two scoreless innings. The Angels take down the Walker Texas Rangers by kind of 4-1 to one as for the Texas Rangers, not a lot doing on offense, so they did get back into the full Corey Seager's. Glenn Otto gives up two home runs, three runs in total over the course of six innings. Luis Ranifo, 17th home run season. Joe Adele launches his eighth home run of the campaign off of Otto. Taylor Hearn from there gives up a one run in two innings as Reed Detmers was on his game. Nine punch outs, six innings, giving up a one run as Andrew Watts, Jose Cuiata, combined for two scoreless innings, and then Jimmy Herget. He was able to supply a scoreless inning. Then the Seattle Mariners, it wasn't comfortable, but they get a walk-off winner. 
Two to one the final as Cal Raleigh gets the walk-off shot, his 26th home run of the season. That comes off of Domingo Acevedo, who got two outs prior to giving up that home run. Ken Waldichuk, not a bad start in this one. Gives up one out in five innings. Austin Pruitt, A.J. Puck, Tyler Sear, all land a scoreless inning from there in lone form of offense for the Oakland A's. Shea Lingalaris, he gets his fourth home run of the season as going for Seattle, Logan Gilbert gave up that home run. He goes eight innings, giving up just one run, and for Logan Gilbert, he has now allowed one runner for fewer in five out of his last six starts before Matt Brash comes in for a scoreless setting. He gets a W as a result. And I'd be remiss if I did not mention that that clinched the Seattle Mariners' first playoff burst since 2001. Last time they played a playoff game, I was eight years old, so it had been a while. Well, with the LA Dodgers, it is nearly a yearly occurrence that they make the postseason, and they're certainly going to be going once again as they take down the Colorado Rockies by a count of 10-1. For the Rockies, Chad Cool gives up six runs in three in the third innings. He's now allowed three plus runs in 12 out of his last 13 starts. Jake Bird from there gave up three runs in one and two thirds innings. Alex Calme scoreless inning tie block. He was able to end two innings, giving up one run along the way. For the LA Dodgers, it was just all about Cody Bellinger. 18th home run season, had himself a nice night. Clayton Kershaw, six scoreless innings. Answer Alberto, position player, gives up a run in an inning, but David Price, Yancey Almonte, they both lend a scoreless inning. You saw the Chicago White Sox go on the road and take down the San Diego Padres, 3-1 to one the final. Padres not in great form right now as they go 1-6 of six with men in scoring position, and Hugh Darvish gives up three runs at six innings before Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, and Nick Martinez all lend a scoreless inning for the White Sox. Good start from young Davis Martin, the rookie. Eight strikeouts, one run allowed in five and two-thirds innings. Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, and Aaron Bummer combined to get four outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless, and then Jimmy Lambert and Liam Hendricks both deliver a scoreless inning. And this one wrapping up just as I'm doing this podcast. We might see a little bit of a change on the final score, but as it goes to the ninth inning, the Giants up by kind of 10-4 to four on the year of the Diamondbacks as this start was just all about Merrill Kelly getting shelled. Three home runs allowed, eight total runs in four and two-thirds innings. Going deep for the San Francisco Giants, Evan Lagoria twice, 13th and 14th home runs of the season. Mikey Strzemski, 16th home run season, then Sean Poppin. And it popping against Austin Wins as Wins gets his third home run season for Poppin. Gives up that home run, two runs in total in one and a third innings. Taylor Widener, Ian Kennedy, they both deliver a scoreless inning as for the San Francisco Giants. You had Alex Cobb give up four runs in five innings, but Thomas Zabucky, a scoreless inning. Alex Young, two scoreless innings, and then Junior Marte came in for the ninth inning. And as we take a look at things in baseball right now, it has been really all about the unders all season long as Overall for the season, right around 51.8% of games have one under the total 1,146 unders to 1,062 overs. And favorites, they continue to have a relatively solid run of things. 14.06 and 9.11 is their record straight up with home favorites hitting at a 61% clip. But I've been mentioning this with home favorites. They've had difficulty covering the run line. 879 and 562 straight up, but 271 instances thus far this season, which the home favorite has won straight up, but has not been able to cover the run line. And if you take a look at the last 60 days, we've had 86 of those occurrences as home favorites are 297 and 168 straight up, but just 211 covers on the run line. And if you take a look at the last 60 days, the under hitting at about 52.3%, 390 under to 356 overs. 
So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we got on Friday. Now, let's turn the page forward to Saturday, and let's take a look at how to handicap some of these last few days of the season with our good friend Justin Perry at Shot Quality Bets. Obviously, by last days, I mean regular season because we're getting gassed up for the postseason as well. We're also going to be talking about the National League playoff picture with him next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of it like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to be joined by this guest as Justin Perry does absolutely amazing work as a handicapper over there at Shot Quality Bets. I know that he does a lot of work in terms of the NFT world as well over at Collective XYZ. He has done an amazing job all season long, taking a look at a little bit of everything. And then on top of that, I know that for those of you guys that like the NFL, he does a good job of being able to handicap some NFL games. I know that he had some success on Thursday Night Football as it is Justin Perry who is joining me, who you're able to follow on Twitter at Justin Perry and the number eight last name is spelled P E R R I. And Justin, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Greg, always appreciate the introduction. Always a good time to jump on the show, talk a little baseball. Excited to uh, get into some October ball. I mean, we've been waiting for this for months. It has been a very interesting season. Lots of ups and downs, lots of teams sort of doing a lot worse or better than expected. And we're uh, we're going to see it all kind of finish with a bang. It's shaping up to be a great, great postseason. It certainly is shaping up to be a great postseason. And who is going to be getting that last spot in the National League is something that I'm taking a look at because when it comes to the Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers, it feels like neither of these teams currently want that last playoff spot. As we are recording this, we know that the Phillies won that lone game that we were supposed to see in terms of a doubleheader. It turned out to be just one game on Friday, but they were able to get the job done there. We're waiting the Brewers result, but when it's all said and done, do you think that it's good to be the Phillies or the Brewers that make it? Because they just really have not been impressed by either of these teams. I think that the Phillies have a little bit of an easier road because with the Brewers, they do have to take on the Arizona Diamondbacks towards the back half of the season. Though the Phillies, they do have the Astros themselves, but they've got more games against the Nationals as well. But I do think that it's really a case which whoever gets in out of these two, I don't see them making a lot of noise, but I just still default to the Phillies a little bit more because with the Brewers, when Brandon Woodruff's not on the mound, it's really a roll of the dice as to what you're going to get out of this team. It's kind of nuts that, you know, Friday we're seeing Sandy come in as that underdog for that series with the Brewers. I, I don't really trust this Brewers offense very much is my big issue with it. I know that the pitching, they, they should have the names like we've seen. They haven't really had much success in terms of closing games out. And they probably, like you said, would fizzle even if they did make it. I do think the Phillies probably get it done as well. My, my thinking is that they just have a little bit more of a reliable offense. And I think they might have the ability to maybe even make some noise coming out of that last spot, but it would still be tough. Yep, I'm right there with you. And we're not even able to evaluate that Saturday game for the Milwaukee Brewers because they utilized the man that was supposed to start on Saturday in the bullpen late Thursday as you had Freddie Peralta come in and he gave up that grand slam to Avicio Garcia, which, I mean, that takes some talent right there because the Miami Marlins have not been able to generate too much offense whatsoever. And then 
for the Philadelphia Phillies. They've got this doubleheader against the Washington Nationals that was supposed to be played on Friday. Now it's supposed to be on Saturday. And for the Phillies, they should get the job done in both of these games. But they're pitching Kyle Gibson. And I talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and not being able to trust in anyone other than Brandon Woodruff. If there's anyone on either of these teams that is less trustworthy than Kyle Gibson, and I recognize that Adrian Hauser still pitches for the Milwaukee Brewers, let me know because that guy has been a mess. Yeah, it's not been pretty for him. We should see the Phillies get both done. I do not hate, you know, maybe a sprinkle on that if you want to like sit back and enjoy, you know, the pre postseason closing race and like the emotional games coming out of the Phillies and you want to like just sit and enjoy trying to see them play for their postseason hopes. I like that. I do think they get it done. The Nationals definitely are playing spoiler and can come in and do it. But yeah, I'm either betting the Phillies to take both or I'm betting each game Washington straight to spoil and just at the plus money. I would be utterly shocked if you see the Phillies drop both. They really can't drop either, honestly, at this point. And I think the urgency should be there. This is where it starts to matter, right? The playoffs are about winning games you need to win, defending yourself from elimination. You know, this is the truest test they're going to ever get. It's the real one. There's no, It's not the practice one anymore. So we'll see. I think it should be an interesting game. It's still like a, a division rival, which can complicate things. And, and you know, it's never been so easy to depend on that Phillies bullpen. So should be an interesting day of baseball, to say the least. No doubt. As joining me on the podcast, we do have tremendous handicapper Justin Perry joining me. And when it comes to the National League playoffs as well, this has a lot more meaning. And these are two teams that they've been playing much better down the stretch. Now the Mets, they've had their ups and downs as well. Certainly not to the extent of the Phillies and the Brewers. I think that that's the most fair thing that I could say. And Max Scherzer is going to be going for them. And you've got the Atlanta Braves trotting out their Kyle Wright. As we're doing this, the game is tied between the Mets and the Braves from Friday. So we don't have a result quite there yet. Regardless of how that game shapes out, though, both of these teams are going to be deeming this as very much a must win. And being able to get right around a plus 110 on the Atlanta Braves, that does appeal to me. You're getting a 20-game winner and Kyle Wright as an underdog at home. I feel like the Atlanta Braves have a little bit of a better underdog, have a little bit of a better bullpen, though. I will say Kenley Jansen, not necessarily been too tremendous for the scene, but I take a look at the Atlanta Braves getting plus money. That's calling my name. I'm not sure if you take a look at the Mets in this spot, but I do think that the Atlanta Braves, they've got a little bit of value here just because I think that they've got just a little bit of a better core around Kyle Wright in this game. I don't disagree. I think you also get to go against the name brand of Scherzer. Guys like him do usually command a little bit more than their like statistical share of probabilities in the market. People wanted that on Max Scherzer. It, it has you know been proven over and over again. These big name guys are usually worth fading in the market. Uh, you usually have to pay too much to bet on them. So, you know, the converse is true as well. I would agree with you with the Braves. I mean, I'm super keyed into this series because, I mean, it's just going to very likely could be a mashup that we're going to see again. And, of course, you know, number one prospect in baseball making his debut on on Friday night is going to be fascinating with Francisco Alvarez getting to DH for the Mets. Really cool to see his bat if it's going to, you know, be that little extra bolster that they might be able to, you know, push through a series with or or win a key game on the back of a couple big RBIs. That's what can make or break a playoff run. So to see this kid coming up, there's a lot of hype around the Mets' new potential bat here. So I'm watching that because, you know, as good as this Mets team has been, they do have this potential stud in the waiting, finally getting his first major league swings over the weekend. 
And what else I'm noticing for this board on Saturday as well is that we just got a lot of low totals in general. We saw that on Friday as well. And as I am recording, we've got five totals in which are seven or lower. But keep in mind that the Reds versus Cubs game with the wind blowing very much in at Wrigley, that has no total currently up. I would not be surprised if that's a seven. And then you've got the Brewers versus the Miami Marlins game off the board. And if they set a total north of seven, I will be very surprised on that one as well. So. When it's all said and done, I'm thinking that we're going to get seven games with a total of seven or fewer. How do you gauge these? Because especially when we get down to the 6F, it really takes a supreme pitching matchup to take a look at the under. Now, I would consider something like Kyle Wright versus Max Scherzer to be in that fold. I personally am going to be taking a look at an over on a 6F on that one, but I can see where they're coming from on that. But when you get some of these pitching matchups and it's like we've got a seven total for Luis Ortiz and Jordan Montgomery, I think we're going a little bit too far. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a little bit, I feel like, um, a little bit of an expected colder weekend coming up. So that might be playing a little bit into some of these totals. People expecting the numbers to stay a little lower. Guys starting to rest on these teams that have clinched. Playoff pictures getting a little bit more clear. I don't know if I buy into it myself. I don't really love the low total game. Uh, I'm definitely not leaning in and going under. I'm playing overs and spots where I think that hitters are playing well, finding, you know, pitchers that maybe haven't performed all that hot. I mean, you know, we have a seven and a half on a Chris Bubich game, right? (laughs) So what, you know, I think maybe looking at the Guardians to get some runs is something that I'd be pretty comfortable in. I think the first five is plus money on DraftKings at two and a half. There's probably a pretty good chance they get the three runs off of one of the worst pitchers of the season that's been allowed to throw all year. He's had his good starts. We've all lost our money when... You know, the terrible pitcher pitches well, but like the idea is to play against people like this consistently. And then you will find yourself in the situations that you want to win in. Uh, You know, again, the Guardians have clinched. So does that make a huge difference? I don't know. That's something that you have to kind of deal with right now. I know personally, I've kind of been a little reserved on plays, getting ready for playoff plays instead of trying to cap some of these games where like you see a little bit more variance and and like you know uncertainty and who's actually going to suit up any given day for the good teams and and what the lineups are going to look like for the weaker teams it's just there's a lot more uncertainty in the upcoming week there's nothing wrong with sort of just slowing down maybe playing some football over the weekend and and and, you know picking your spots if you are going to make some plays what else i think is going to be very interesting too is that the la dodgers are one of those teams that they have clinched I mean, pretty much they had the Division One in May, let's call it what it is. But they're trotting out there someone in Michael Grove, who I've been very impressed by. Right now, the LA Dodgers are between a minus 240 to a minus 245 favorite. Run line on them is anywhere between about a minus 115. You might get up to a minus 110. You might get down to a minus 110. But I do take a look at this LA Dodgers team, and the way that I've been playing them all season long has been taking a look at a bunch of run lines because – they have just been winning all these games by multiple runs going up against a Rocky team, which they have won fewer than a third of their games on the road thus far this season. Yeah. It's incredible. The Colorado Rockies year in and year out, they've got the biggest home and road splits that you're going to find in baseball. I think that that could yeah. be rather a chalky spot. It's not necessarily one of those where a lot of people are going to give you kudos for taking the Dodgers on the run line, but a profit <laughs> is a profit. And sometimes some of the most, to use the quote, square plays, are some of the best ones on the board. Yeah, look, you know, one of my good friends in handicapping 
as says, you know, life uh, is just, you know, three things you can count on. And it's, it's death, taxes, and the Dodgers run line, right? And it just has been so consistent all season. If you're going to play them, it has just been time and time again shown that you shouldn't be risking it on these big money lines with this team. They very often win by multiple runs when they do win. So there's a pretty strong correlation with this team. I mean, they are just uber efficient, right? They're They're probably one of the best constructive teams in modern history not that many teams have 108 wins this many seasons in a row the dodgers have continued to do it and they'll continue to win even if it sort of sealed up they have they put a really elite product out on the field you know that's why they're the dodgers at some level and they've established a reputation that i think you can trust i do think that i would honestly look at the over in dodger stadium for that night game i just you know friedland is not exactly uh, someone you can trust and the Dodgers should put up a few runs. So I like the run line. I like the over. Uh, that one's set at eight. I think you might be able to find eight and a half, which I don't hate either because you just get a nicer number, eight and a half, even money. You got to get to the same win condition anyway, unless you're a really big push guy. I'm not personally. I like you know results on my gambles if I can help it. Uh, so yeah, I would take that even money. I expect, you know, or Dodgers team total, probably a pretty good bet tomorrow. They're just, they're going to continue to score runs. Yep, and when it comes to a lot of these teams that have clinched, like the L.A. Dodgers, you're able to throw in there a team like the Houston Astros, St. Louis Cardinals, all these teams that they have sewed up the division. They pretty much know where they're going to be in the postseason as well. How much would you advise people to perhaps hold off a little bit on betting overnight and instead take a look at just what we're going to be getting in terms of lineup? Because I do think that that is something that plays a big role this time of year when we get into October baseball and we get into the playoffs. No question, we're not going to see like someone like Mookie Betts be on the bench of the LA Dodgers or anything like that. It is going to be indeed full go, but this last week of the regular season, I do think that that is something that you want to take a look at much more than you would throughout the majority of the season, especially on Sunday when it's going to be a getaway day. Every team is going to have to play on Monday, and they're going to probably look to give some of these guys a little bit of a breather. Yeah, I'm definitely, you know, sticking with uh, my patience as my biggest weapon right now in terms of making sure I see lineups before I pull triggers. I didn't really like give out any plays. Usually when I come on the show, Greg, I give out a few plays <laughs> to the people who follow me. But tonight I did not actually post anything. I have some leans. I want to wait, though, before I'm placing any bets. It's definitely a weird time. I do think it's one of the only times of the year, actually, that you can, you know, feel okay about betting on Sundays in baseball because you're going to get a little bit of a softer market, in my opinion, from all the football frequency and, and handle that books are taking. If you can find a spot on Sunday, it's one of the only times I'm like, okay, maybe we'll think about it. Because you know me, I never bet baseball on Sundays. But you know, everything changes now. We're into the part of the year where the wins start really mattering and teams are going to put forward their best foot to win every game when there's playoff uh, you know, contention on the line. So I would advise going into games where teams have something to play for. You can sort of trust that a little bit more if you're going to actually be gambling right now. Yeah, I'd stick to the teams that are, you know, still in races and try to play on that, knowing that they're going to be kind of uh, pushing for the wins. Yep. And if there is something that you're looking at on the board that might be a little bit more bettable than other games, would you say that it would be something like what I mentioned before, Mets versus Braves, the Tampa Bay Rays versus Houston Astros, perhaps the Toronto Blue Jays versus the Boston Red Sox, those sorts of games rather than, I hate to pick on these teams, but <laughs> the Minnesota Twins and the Detroit Tigers or the LA Angels and the Walker Texas Rangers. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I would stay away from the teams that have essentially faded into irrelevance for the rest of the year, especially, you know, 
like you said, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Well, that's a division rival, and it doesn't really matter how bad the Red Sox are. They don't want to help the Blue Jays. They're not going to lay down their bats. They're going to go out there and fight. So I would definitely key into games like that where the results still matter. Don't be afraid to take underdogs in those situations because they are also the most watched games, which means they're the most bet games, which means you know there's probably the most value on unders and underdogs because that's just how betting works. People love favorites and they love overs. I mean, that's how it goes. It's good to keep all that information in mind. And it definitely takes a lot of balance and experience sort of betting through these, I guess, weird times and seasons. But I guess over time, you sort of learn these ebbs and the flows. And it's kind of fun because you sort of like learn like when to look for people to do well and when not. Like, you know, the Yankees looked really great in September, but, you know, August and July, you could have faded them to glory. Right. They were terrible. And you sort of just learn that a lot of these playoff teams cool down and then pick up at the end. And it's like very cyclical, but enjoyable nonetheless and and fun to take a peek at and try to figure out where the value really sits. And the value on this podcast is always whenever you come aboard, Justin, because you do absolutely amazing work. I know you're getting set for what is going to be an amazing college basketball season over there at Shot Quality Bets. You've been doing a great job all season long taking a look at the MOB. I know you're doing a nice job in terms of the NFL market as well. So hope you get people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, it has been an exciting couple months gearing up over at Shock Quality. If you don't follow Shock Quality right now or Shock Quality Bets, I would go give it a peek. We just got a really great little write-up in The Athletic about you know the advancement of analytics in college basketball. Great article. I would give it a read. talks about a lot of our competitors, but the idea is that you know analytics and predictive you know metrics are really starting to take over the sport and you know it's coming to gambling and we're trying to do that over at shot quality bets so give us a follow going to be some really cool tools a really effective model we had last season you know a nice like 54 percent rate 60 unit return but high volume of plays but we're going to have a lot of fun cool offerings this season check it out give it me a shout if you have any interest in looking at it or hearing a little bit more about it again it's justin perry eight on twitter and you know you can always find me there Justin does absolutely amazing work taking a look at a wide variety of sports. He has come on this podcast quite a bit all season long and has always been able to deliver the goods, much like he did today. A big thanks to our good friend Justin for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get our good friend Justin Perry aboard. He does great work over at Shot Quality Bets. Has joined me all season long, breaking down the great game of baseball. Always delivers great insights and picks a lot of winners on the show as well. And it is always nice to get him aboard. Big thanks to Justin for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, and the American League games, and the Inter League games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. 
Lone exception is when we do the Phillies and the Nationals doubleheader, which will be done in about 45 seconds. We are going to do both of those games together to keep things clean and easy because it was looking like we were going to get a doubleheader on Friday and said, that has been moved today. So let's start with that doubleheader as it's at the top of the board. 951-952 on the betting board is Phillies versus the Nationals. Game one is going to be the same as it was projected to be. Kyle Gibson going for the Phillies and Anibal Sanchez going for the Nationals. And then game two should be what we were supposed to get yesterday with Noah Thor Syndergaard going for the Washington Nationals and Tommy Romero going for the Nationals. A little bit subject to change on Romero, but Syndergaard confirmed for the Phillies for game two. So we'll start with game one because we've got numbers up on this game. When it comes to the Gibson versus Sanchez game, you've got the Philadelphia Phillies between minus 175 and minus 180 favorites, between plus 155 and plus 160. The number on Washington, ANAF is the total. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. With the Phillies, I made them a minus 162 favorite. We're starting to see this get to right around a plus 162 with the Washington Nationals. And if you are taking a look at the run line, by the way, the run line of the Phillies is between minus 110 to a minus 115, so it's gotten to a point of no return there. I'm going to be taking a look at the Washington Nationals unless we see a rather quantum move on the Philadelphia Phillies because we're right in that neighborhood that I'm going to be willing to take that plus price. I'm doing this as initial numbers come out, so when it's all said and done, should probably be able to get like a plus 165 on Washington. But when it comes to Kyle Gibson, this is just a vote of no confidence for him. With Kyle Gibson, he has not been too terrific this season. His home runs per nine rate is about a 1.25. He has certainly had his struggles when he's been on the road with a 531 road ERA. Opponents are a about a 265 off of him. On the road, he actually hasn't given up too many deep balls, but he's also had a little bit of a problem with the walks as well. A little bit over three walks per nine innings, considering he's not too much of a swing and miss guy. Not great, and he's given up 24 runs in his last five starts, spanning 22 and two-thirds innings. Meanwhile, Anibal Sanchez has not been terrible. He has given up four earned runs in his last five starts. He's only going five innings per start, but he's been able to do a nice job holding down the fort. Last time he faced off against the Phillies, well, he went two innings, he gave up one run, so nothing great nor terrible there, but he's backed up by a bullpen that it's okay. You're able to have guys like a Hunter Harvey, Mason Thompson, Erasmo Ramirez give you a sub-3-3 ERA. Kyle Finnegan has been rather okay for this bunch as well. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, post-all-star break, this is an ERA that is right around 5 for this bullpen. As Sir Anthony Dominguez is coming off the injury list, has been a hot mess. David Robertson has been relatively solid. He and Brad Hand have been able to supply a sub-3 ERA, but now Brad Hand is out of the fold for the team, so that's not great now. Good news is Jose Alvarado has really been able to pick it up after he was terrible at the beginning of the season. He's not allowed an earned run in the past 35 or so days. But you also take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies lineup, and it's a little bit of a mess. They were able to get out of their five-game funk yesterday, and you still have Kyle Schwarber who's been able to go deep 42 times this season. Then on top of that, you do have Reese Hoskins hanging above a 250. He's been able to slug out 30 home runs. Then Alec Baum along Gene Segura, Bryce Harper, they're in between about a 275 to a 295 with JT Remito hitting above 300 since the All-Star break. But for the Washington Nationals, it's been all about Joey Manessas. He's hitting a 323, getting a home run about every 17 to 18 at-bats. And then got a lot of guys hitting between, we're going to call it about a 238 
28250 as Cesar Hernandez, Lane Thomas, CJ Abrams, Alex Call are all in that fold. And then Luke Voigt, since he's come over to Washington, he's been able to hit about a 245 overall for the season, north of 20 home runs. So I do think that there's a little bit of value with the Washington Nationals. And they've been able to do a really good job in Anibal Sanchez's starts. They're 6 2 in his last eight. I have no idea how or why, but I've got more faith here getting north of a plus 160 in the Washington Nationals. So going to be taking a look at that. I do think that the Phillies offense going to be able to get to Sanchez. I think that he's been pitching well above his skis recently. And Kyle Gibson, he's just a fade to begin with. So semi-total so more around a 9.5. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this fun. Then I'll keep game two relatively quick between Syndergaard and Tommy Romero. Because when this game was pulled off the board, you were finding the... Philadelphia Phillies being right around a minus 190 favorite and then the total on this game was 8.5 under is minus 120 the overs even and then with the Nationals they were between about a plus 172 to a plus 185 got to figure that something similar is going to be had here set the Phillies as a minus 203 favorite was one to go up to a minus 125 on the run line most places had this at a minus 120 if we get similar numbers I'm going to be keeping it status quo on this one with Tommy Romero he has pitched a few innings at the big league level this season but he really did didn't lend a lot of length when he was at the minor league level. He was over with the Tampa Bay Rays. Overall, had North Bay 70 area when he was called up to the big leagues. He's an okay swing miss guy, but he doesn't necessarily have a lot of command. Not going to be able to deliver a lot of length, so this looks like it's going to be sort of a bullpen game for the Washington Nationals. So even if Romero isn't starting and it's someone else coming out of the bullpen, not too great there. And I do question the length of North Syndergaard because he's been utilized a little bit more out of the bullpen recently himself, but with Syndergaard, he has been a little bit all over the place this year, especially when he's been on the road as he's got a road area of a 518. The walks have been a very good to him, actually. He's only issuing about two walks per nine innings, giving up about one home run per nine innings, but swinging this stuff way down. I, he's getting about six half strikeouts per nine innings, so it's a spot where I set the Phillies as a minus $2 favorite, minus 125 on the run line, and just like in game number one, nine and a half or less, going to be taking a look at the over 10 or higher to the under when this game was pulled off the board. We're seeing it at an eight and a half, so would be looking at the over in this spot as well. Now let's move on to the non-doubleheader games. 953-954 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds. They are on the road facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Drew Smiley is going to be going for the Cubs. Nick Lidolo is on the bump for Cincinnati. Cincinnati between a plus 112 to a plus 115 underdog. Game between minus 122 and minus 135 is the price on the Cubs. No total on this game because it's a Wrigley Field game that is going to be based on the wind. And right now I am seeing the wind blowing inward at in the neighborhood about 10 miles per hour. So I set a low total of uh, 7.3, a 7 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, a 7.5 or higher. I will be taking a look at the under. I think that it is very important in this ordeal to take a look at the home and road splits of Nick Lodolo, which is why I am landing on the Chicago Cubs. I was one to lay up to a minus 134 for them, and with Lodolo, the swing and miss stuff, it is very good. A little bit north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but a 563 rotor ERA compared to a 285 home ERA. He's been giving up the deep ball a little bit as well, right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. The walks per nine rate, it's about three. Nothing great, nothing terrible on that front end. Last time he faced off against the Chicago Cubs, didn't go so great from four runs and four and two-thirds innings. This is actually a rematch of the Field of Dreams game as Drew Smiley pitched in that one as well. And, well, he had dreams of perhaps doing a little bit better as well. But overall, Drew Smiley has been very good at home this season. A 230-80 array, giving up six home runs in 42 and two-thirds innings with the wind blowing in. That should be able to help him out. And he's facing off against the Cincinnati Reds team, which is very top-heavy as with the Cincinnati Reds, 
You do have quite a few guys at the top that they're able to move the line. They're able to get on base. They have a deal with a little bit of an injury to Donovan Solano. He's back full team. Stuart Fairchild's hitting above a 280. And then you've got Jonathan India, Kyle Farmer, Jake Fraley, TJ Friedel. Only between about a 242 to a 260. So these guys have been able to do a solid job. But when you get into guys like Austin Romine, Chucky Robinson, Jose Barreto, these are guys that are running below the middle line of 200. And for the Chicago Cubs, they're trotting out their guys like a Zach McKinstry that are not necessarily doing a great job for the team, though you do have Patrick Wisdom along with Wilson Contreras back and full for the scene. Both of these guys, in combined 46 home runs this season. Wisdom really doesn't move the line, but he's been able to get some good production recently out of Esteban Coeras. He has been hitting a 300, so has been a nice find. Nico Horner is hitting about a 285. See Suzuki about a 340 on base along with Ian Happ, so these are guys who are able to move the line. And for the Chicago Cubs, sub-3 ERA in there. Recent run where they have went 9-1, and one, so they've been able to really pick it up. It's not like the bullpen is too terrific, but Manuel Rodriguez right around a 3 ERA. Brandon Hughes is in that fold as well. These two guys have been solid. Keegan Thompson has been using long relief, and I really like what I've seen out of him. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Reds, since the All-Star break, they've got an upper app of the league bullpen ERA as Alexis Diaz has really been able to do a nice job for the team. He and Francisco Cruz have been able to provide a sub-2 ERA. Buck Farmer, since the All-Star break, has been able to do a solid job as well for the season as a whole. Hasn't necessarily been too terrific, but ever since the All-Star break, he's been supplying about a 325 ERA. Ian Gabo has not been too bad in this bullpen either, so I do think that you're going to get a relatively low-scoring game. Even though the wind is blowing in, I do think that walks are going to be able to help out both of these teams, so Drew Smiley doesn't necessarily issue a ton of free passes, so I do give the Cubs a leg up. I'm willing to lay up to a minus-130 with them, so going to be looking at the Cubs, and then when it comes to this total, a 7 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and a 7 half or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as we go 9.55, 9.56 on the banking board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are going to be on the road. They're going to be facing up against the San Francisco Giants as Dre Jemison is going to be going for Arizona. It is to be determined for the San Francisco Giants. They're most likely going to be doing the last time they face up against Dre Jemison, and that is to use Jacob Junis in most likely a bulk role. He might be the starter, but you're most likely going to see an opener, and then Jacob Junis pitch bulk inning. So in some form or fashion, we're probably going to be getting Jacob Junis, just whether or not the opener is in there or not, that is going to be the question. And assuming that this is going to be the case, I did set the Giants as a minus 153 favorite on the money line, and maybe I told an 8.2, an 8 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over. The regression monster is very hungry, and I think that it is going to be feasting on our good friend Dre Jemison, who in three starts has been incredible, giving up two runs in 18 and a third innings. That includes being able to provide a scoreless outing against the San Francisco Giants his last time out. But you take a look at Fielding Independent. It is a 295 compared to his ERA of a 0.98. When you've got a Fielding Independent that is two points higher than your ERA, that is a bad indication right there. And you take a look at Jemison. He was 7 and 13 with a 6.31 ERA at the minor league level, giving up five plus runs in five out of his last six starts. I feel like he's pitching way above his skis right now. I mean, he has given up at least five hits in two out of his last three starts. He has been doing a relatively solid job in terms of walks, and that's something that he did at the minor league level, right around three walks per nine innings. He only got nine strikeouts per nine innings, but I feel like he's been incredibly lucky to this point, and then we've got to figure that Jacob Junis is going to be in some form of a bulk role, and when they did have him coming in after an opener, he gave up one run in five and a third innings, and that worked out the first time they tried it as well against the Milwaukee Brewers, where he gave up two runs in six innings. So the Giants have that a little bit down pat. 
The Giants also have a very nice advantage when it comes to the bullpen. It's taken them quite a while to be able to get over the fact that they are going to be without Buster Posey until, well, forever at this point. But Camilo Defoe, Jarrell Cotton, John Brebbia, able to even throw in there Alex Young. All these guys have been able to provide a sub-3-2 ERA this season. And for the years in the Diamondbacks, over the last 45 days, north of a 5-5 ERA, that is the worst in the big leagues. They do get Sean Poppin back in the fold. He's got a sub-4 ERA. And Joe Mantiply has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. But guys like Reyes Maranta at a 4 ERA are some of your best Guys, right now, Caleb Smith, Taylor Widener, Mark Melanson, all north of a 5-ERA now for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They do generate most of their power on the road as they're getting about 1.35 home runs per game when they're on the road compared to 0.85 when they are at home as Dalton Varsho, Christian Walker. They have been able to supply a combined 63 home runs this season. Both of these guys, coupled with Quito Marte, Alec Thomas, in between about a 230 to 240. You've had someone like a Corbin Carroll come up at a nearly a 250 as well. They've got Josh Ross. Back in the fold as well, Jake McCarthy has been aiming at 285, so got some good bats for this team. And then for the San Francisco Giants, Wilmer Flores and Jack Peterson, a combined 42 home runs this season for Peterson. He's been hitting a little bit over a 270, and then you've got Therio Estrada, Austin Slater, and Joey Vossler hitting between about 260 to 270. Awesome wins has picked it up a little bit as well, but you do have guys like Mikey Stromsky, Brandon Crawford that just have not been able to live up to their billing this season either. So you've got your good bats and your bad bats when it comes to San Francisco. This is going to be a daytime game, so should be a little bit more hitter-friendly than it is normally, so that's why I did wind up setting my total a little bit higher, and I do think that the regression monster, very, very hungry for our friend Dre Jemison, would not be surprised if the Giants utilize an opener, and the Giants utilize an opener might be willing to push this up a couple more pennies, but right now I've got Junis versus Jemison, with the Giants being a minus-153 favorite, plus-132 on the run line with a total of 8.2, which means, eight or less, I'm going to be taking a look at an over, a half fryer to the under. 9.57, 9.58, that was a part of that Phillies versus Nationals double dip, as that actually got moved down a little bit, so in terms of rotation numbers, a little bit of a nightmare on this one, but that has been moved, so have no fear there as we go to 9.59, 9.60 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins. They're going to be on the road, and they're going to be facing up against the Milwaukee Brewers, as to be determined is going for the Milwaukee Brewers, and you've got Edward Capaneta is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. The reason why the Brewers are TBD is... It was supposed to be Freddie Peralta in this spot. They utilized him out of the bullpen on Thursday, so now they're looking for a starter. I would guess it would be Aaron Ashby, and Aaron Ashby is pretty much an opener plus at this point. He's been utilized for two to three innings and pretty much all of his starts since coming off the injury list. And if you do get Aaron Ashby, well, should be very fascinating to see what you get there because it's coming off the injury list. Three and two-thirds innings in two starts. So, yeah, that's not great. Expect this to be pretty much a bullpen game. And for the Brewers, you've had a couple guys step up in this bullpen. Peter Strzelski has been able to supply a sub-three ERA. You still have Devin Williams. He's got his buck 60-70 ERA. He's been able to do a nice job. Matt Pushton's coming over, though. He's got an of a four ERA. Trevor God is up and two terrific. Taylor Rogers all season long has been a hot mess with nearly a five ERA. Brad Boxberger has been okay, but that's a little bit of an issue. And then for Edward Cabrera, he has been really good with the Miami Marlins. He's supposed to get up a 3-1-5 ERA overall, but a buck 62 road ERA in six road starts, giving up two home runs across 33 and a third innings. Now, the one issue that you've got with Edward Cabrera is that he has given up a whole bunch of walks right around 4.4 walks per nine innings. That knocks him out of starts a little bit earlier. And with the Miami Marlins, they're dealing with an injury in their bullpen to Stephen Okert. 
You do have Dylan Floro and Richard Blyer, and when Blyer is not getting called for strange box, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. Both of these guys right around at 3 ERA. Uskar Brazobin has not been too bad either, but for the Miami Marlins, in about 75% of their last 45 games, they have scored three runs or fewer. They've been able to get a little bit more out of Brian De La Cruz, and Asu Sanchez is back at full. Both of these guys have 12 home runs to be able to lead the way. Avicio Garcia is back at the fold as well. He, along John Birdie, and Miguel Rojas in between about a 232-235. But still have guys like Luan Diaz, J.J. Blade that just do not belong on a major league lineup. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, they do rank in the top five in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis, but they're very much a feast or famine lineup in that you've got Rowdy Tellez, Hunter Renfro, William Thomas, all supplying at least 28 home runs, but you really don't have that table setter for this team. You do have Renfro, Christian Yelich, along with Colt Wong inning between about a 250-255. Garrett Mitchell has been able to hit about a 285, but he's got 50 at-bats under his belt. Mike Brasso doesn't play a whole heck of a lot. Jace Peterson has been a little bit all over the place. Um, you do have your issues on that front as well. I do think that the Brewers should be a favorite just because of Miami Marlins offense in general has been really bad to say the least this season, but this is a scenario where I did set my money line on the Brewers at a minus 142. If it is indeed Aaron Ashby, if we get just a general bullpen game of the Milwaukee Brewers, it'll probably be, once again, right around this minus 142-ish number. Might vary a little bit, but set my total as well as a 6.7. So, 6 half or less looking at the over. 7 or higher, we'll be taking a look at an under. 961-962 on the betting board, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They have the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Cardinals, and you've got Luis Ortiz on the bump for Pittsburgh. 7 is the total over and under both at minus 110 with the St. Louis Cardinals. You're getting them between minus 235 and minus 245, between plus 205 and plus 215, the number on the Pirates. And if you're looking at the run line of the St. Louis Cardinals, you're going to be finding that between a minus 105 to a minus 110. I was willing to lay up to a minus 125 in this ordeal, so that is where I'm going to be taking a look at. I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of the St. Louis Cardinals. Don't want to lay that hefty of a juice, but when it comes to Pittsburgh Pirates, quite frankly, they have somewhat backed it in other than Brian Reynolds. Reynolds is still giving you good quality at-bats. 26 home runs, hitting a 260, so that's been absolutely terrific, but you just take a look up and down this lineup. You've got so many guys hitting a 225 or lower, like a Josh Van Meter, Jax Wisniewski. It has not been good when you've had Jason DeLay along with Jose Gudoy at the catcher's spot, so it's not necessarily too terrific. I will say for Wisniewski, he and O'Neill Cruz, a combined 35 home runs this season. Cruz has been able to do a nice job putting back to ball, but he doesn't get on consistently and picking up off the scrap heap. The Pittsburgh Pirates are now utilizing Miguel Andujar. That's very interesting. And you've got Cabrian Ace in about a 245, but not a great lineup. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Combined 65 home runs and 224 RBI between these two entering into Friday's game. Arenado hitting just below a 300. Paul Goldschmidt, a 400 on base. Brandon Donovan at home. It's been with about a 350. Albert Pools, full star break. has been with above a 300. He's getting a home run every about 10 or so at bats since the break. So these guys have all been ter- terrific. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, really, other than Chase Young, who's had his issues 
recently. This has been a really bad bullpen. They do get David Benar back in the fold overall for the season, a 272 ERA, but you got to wonder what sort of form he's in right now. Will Crow, he's got north of 6 ERA over the last 35 days. Manny Benuelos, he provides a 4 ERA. You've had Robert Stevenson, Johan Ramirez not be terrific. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Ryan Helsley has still been able to supply a sub-2 ERA this season. Giovanni Gallegos has been able to do a solid job. Chris Stratton, since he's come over from Pittsburgh, has been solid with right around a 3 ERA. And I will say for Jordan Montgomery, he is starting to see a little bit of regression, which he yeah, figured that there would be some. He has given up at least three runs at each out of his last three starts. Along the way, he has given up a combined 13 earned runs in those starts, as well as he gave up five home runs in that span. I do think that he's going to be able to right the ship here, though. You know that he's going to be able to provide good command, giving up about two walks for nine innings when he's been in St. Louis this season. He's been able to do a solid job as a lot of his issues have come a little bit more on the road. 333 home area compared to a 375 ERA on the road. And then when it comes to Luis Ortiz, certainly someone that has something to prove. You know that he is not going to pack it in. This is a young guy that is really looking to build up a little bit more of a reputation. And in three starts, he has actually been really good, giving up three runs, two of which were earned. Now, it was against the Yankees on the road. That's impressive. And then the Cubs and the Reds, well, that's a little bit less so. And he does give up the walks, seven walks in 15 and a third innings. He had his issues with that at the minor league level, but also at the minor league level, he was able to get swings and misses, 17 punch-outs in 15 and two-thirds innings. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a rude awakening here for Ortiz, and then the Cardinals are going to be able to knife into that bullpen and really put up some runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I do think that Montgomery himself is going to give up a run or two, especially with someone like Brian Reynolds giving you good at-bats. So this is a scenario where I did set my total at a 8.3. I'm going to be taking a look at the over with the Cardinals willing to lay up to a minus 128 on the run line. So, looking cards run line, and I am going to also be taking a look at this total over it. We go to my DK Nation pick. This is 963-964 on the betting board. The New York Metropolitans are on the road. They're facing up against the Atlanta Braves. As going for the Bravos, it is Kyle Wright, and Matt Max Scherzer is on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are a favorite of anywhere between minus 120 to minus 130. Between plus 110 and plus 118 is the number on the Atlanta Braves. Six to six and a half is the total. On the six, over is minus 125, and the under is even. On the six halves, the over is right around minus 120 to a minus 125. The under is between even and plus 105. DK Nation pick is on the Atlanta Braves. I set them as a favorite, and now that we're getting plus money on them, that does appeal to me. I mean, you don't win 20 games on accident. Kyle Wright has been absolutely magnificent for this Atlanta Braves team all season long. He has been issuing about 2.7 walks per nine innings. The home runs per nine rate that hovers in the neighborhood of one at home. He's got a 2.83 ERA, winning 12 out of his 16 starts at home. He has been captain automatic at being able to get this team to the window. Overall, in his last five starts, he's went 4-0 in them. It's been a little bit more shaky, giving up 13 runs in 27 and two-thirds innings, but I do think that he's going to go out and he's going to have a better performance than he did first two times out against the Mets, where he did give up nine runs in 13 innings in those first two starts. I think that he's going to be able to figure it out, especially with the Mets deal with an injury to Starling Marte. And then for Matt Max Scherzer, he's been really good since coming off the injury list. Has made three starts. He's given up a combined two runs across 17 innings. So that's been very nice to see. And he has also been able to get in that time span 21 strikeouts as well. But I do think that Max Scherzer does have a tendency to have a little bit of an issue when he goes up against better lineups. Overall against Atlanta this season, he has given up five runs in 21 and a third innings. So he's been relatively rock solid against this Atlanta Braves team, but I just take a look at this Braves lineup, and I do think that they're going to be able to get to him, much like they were able to get to Jacob deGrom a little bit yesterday as well. This is an Atlanta Braves team that you just have no breaks in this lineup. Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Travis Darno, William Contreras, 
Ronald Acuna Jr. All in between about a 265 to 280. Riley has been impressive with 38 home runs this season. Matt Olson hasn't necessarily had the batting average as he used to, but he's got north of 30 home runs as well. Orlando Arcio, when he's at the bottom of the fold, is able to move the line. And for the Mets, not having Marte out there has really hurt this offense. Now, you got to love that they're giving Francisco Alvarez some starts. He is going to be a very good player moving forward, but I do question having a rookie out there in really his first career series as you saw out there, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Brandon Nimmo, Mark Hanna, all in between about a 263 to 275. Lindor and Alonso have both been able to supply over 90 RBI and for Pete Alonso. And it's currently 40 home runs and over 130 RBI. He has been very impressive on that front, but the catcher spot has been a little bit one of need for the New York Mets. You've still got Jeff McNeil hitting above a 3 but I also think that the Atlanta Braves have this Mets team a little bit outgunned in terms of the bullpen because Tommy Under, one of the better bullpen pieces of the Mets, is currently out of the full Yoli Rodriguez has not been really good for this team. Tyler McGill is trying to figure it out in the bullpen. Adam Adovino has actually been really good. Sub-250 ERA South Lugo since the All-Star break. A 3 ERA and the best bullpen piece among either side. It is Edwin Diaz. No fans are about it, but Rossiel Glacius is coming over to Atlanta. A sub-050 ERA. Dylan Lee, Tyler Madzik, both of these guys are supplying a sub-330 ERA. And for Lee, more around a 225 ERA. AJ Minter has been solid all year long. Two ERA. We just really want to avoid Kenley Jansen because, well, it's not a good scenario. But I do think that the Atlanta Braves, they support Kyle Wright a little bit better than the Mets support Matt Max Scherzer. Scherzer probably has a little bit of advantage when it comes to this pitching matchup. But the Atlanta Braves being at home with them being able to get to Jacob DeGrom for a pair of home runs early in the game yesterday. I think that that bodes well for the Atlanta Braves. I set them as a slight favorite. So DK Nation pick that is going to be on the Atlanta Braves money line. I set my total at 7.1. I do think that both of these pitchers are going to give up some runs, so looking at the over and with the DK Nation pick, I'm going to be taking a look at the Bravos. 965-966 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers. They're going to be playing us to the Colorado Rockies as Kyle Freeland is going to be going for the Rocks and Michael Grove is going to be going for the Dodgers and the Dodgers between minus 235 and minus 245 favorites between plus 205 and 215 is your number on Colorado. 8.5 is the total. The under is minus 120. The over is even seeing a straight 8 out there with the 8. Over is minus 120, under is even. Semi total in between the 8 and the 8.5 at an 8.2. I've only got access to 8.5, so at an 8.5, I'd be taking a look at the under, and quite frankly, I'd be wanting to take an 8.5 under before an 8 over myself, just because you got a Colorado Rockies team that they've got very demonstrative home and road splits. When it comes to this Colorado bunch, they hit about 45 points lower when they are on the road as opposed to at home, and the power itself just goes way down. The Colorado Rockies, they get a right around 1.1 home runs per game when they are at home, 0.6 home runs per game on the road. So like CJ Crone, 29 home runs this season, 22 of them have come at home. Brendan Rodgers, among his 11 home runs, 10 have come at Coors Field. Ryan McMahon, he's got some rather demonstrative splits as well. He's got 19 home runs overall for the season, but you take a look at him on the road, he hits a 220, 263 at home with 14 of those bombs coming at home. So that is a big issue. Now they do get Jose Iglesias back in the fold. The Rockies do. He's been able to move the line, hitting about a 300, but for the LA Dodgers, there's no breaks with this lineup. Will Smith, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, all between 20 and 24 home runs. Really, other than Muncie, who's been only hitting about a 200, though. It's more like a 250 over the last 35 days. These guys have all been able to move the line. Trey Turner, 300 batting average. 
Freddie Freeman, more around a 325. And then Will Smith, about a 350 on base. Mookie Betts, 35 home runs, 35 doubles. He's hitting at 270. He's been impressive. Trace Thompson has been good towards the bottom of the lineup. Gavin Lux is hitting about a 285. And then for the LA Dodgers, this bullpen is full of a lot of unsung heroes who have been terrific all season long as you've got Alex Vesia, Evan Phillips, Caleb Ferguson, Yancey Almonte is back in fold. All these guys, a sub-230 ERA. Tommy Canely is starting to figure it out. Chris Martin in a Dodgers uniform, a sub-3 ERA now. And we'll say Craig Kimbrell, he's not been great, but at the very least, he's not Alex Calme. He's got north of a 5 ERA. Jake Bird has been all over the place, a long tie block. Both of these guys providing at least a 470 ERA. Don't know something that is someone I do like, but it's one bullpen piece. And you do have someone in Kyle Freeland who actually has been able to do a solid job on the road. That is part of the reason why I do take a look at this total under, because Kyle Freeland, you may recall, he was one of the best, like, first five pitchers at Coors Field in 2018. Those days are long gone as Freeland, a 6 ERA at home, a 318 ERA on the road. Now, he is a pitch contact guy as... He's only been getting about seven strikeouts per nine innings when he's been on the road, but opponent's batting average falls by nearly 50 points when he is on the road rather than at home. He's been able to do a nice job of not giving out a lot of free passes as well, right around 2.6 walks per nine innings. And then you take a look at our good friend, Mr. Grove, and he's been able to do a solid job in my opinion. He's got relatively decent home and roads, what's 430 home area, 372 road area, very small sample size. He's only thrown about 25 innings thus far this season, giving up four home runs and eight walks at 24 and a third innings. At the minor league level, it was very much a similar type of pitcher. Someone that was not lighting the world on fire, but someone that was able to do a competent job. And when you're backed up by a bullpen like this, that's all that you really need to do. And I do think that you're going to have Michael Grove. He's going to be able to come in, do a relatively solid job for this bunch. And I think that he's going to do enough for the Dodgers to be able to get a multiple run win against a Rockies team that, well, they have been rocky in terms of their offensive production on the road. So he did set my total at 8.2. I'm looking at an 8.5 under. And with the Dodgers, we mentioned it with our good friend Justin, just how good this team is at covering the run line. When they have been a favorite, they have covered the run line over 90% of the time that they win straight up. So, obviously, that takes the straight up losses of the full. But this is a Dodgers team that they either lose outright or they went on the run line. And I think that they're going to win on the run line. So, taking a look at the Dodgers run line to reduce the juice to go along with this little under 967, 968 on the main board. It is the Baltimore Orioles in the red faceoff against the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. Austin Voth is going to be on the bump for Baltimore, and Baltimore is an underdog. Anywhere between plus 180 and plus 192, and you've got the Yankees anywhere between minus $2 and minus 215. 7-7.5 is the total on the 7. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105 on the 7.5. Under is minus 115 to minus 120. Over is between even and minus 105. So I tell it an 8.1. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. Now, it is a little bit chillier out in New York this time of year. It's just chillier in general in the northeast part of the country, but I do think that we're going to be able to see some runs in this game, especially with the regression that we have seen from the Baltimore Orioles bullpen. They just got completely used up, bruised and battered in that series against the Boston Red Sox, and now they have to go up against the New York Yankees team that they're looking to make some history for our good friend Aaron Judge, who he entered into Friday's game with 61 home runs. As I record this, he's still on 61. Might change by the time this podcast is up, but it's been absolutely amazing. The big thing for the Yankees is providing them with a little bit more protection. Gleyber Torres has been able to do so, hitting about a 255 with 24 home runs. That has been incredibly impressive. They got back DJ LeMayu in the fold yesterday. LeMayu, Oswaldo Cabrera, 
Isaiah Canerfalefa, throw on there, Jose Trevino, Harrison Bader, all in between about a 248, 260. You could use Giancarlo San and Anthony Rizzo to up their batting average a lot. Josh Donaldson, all these guys, and a 230 or lower. And Aaron X, just forget about that guy because he's terrible. But with Stanton and Rizzo, I combined 60 home runs this season. And for Rizzo, 340 on base. And then for the New York Yankees, bullpen has still been solid, though Clay Holmes has very much had his issues towards the second half of the season. He has become someone that you really can't rely upon too much over the last 30 days. His ERA is more around about 330, but still feels like it's a little bit higher. I'm not going to lie to you. Lucas Lukey, Ron Medanacchio, these two guys have been solid as Wani Peralta currently dealing with a little bit of an ailment. is not terrific, but these two guys, long Scott efforts, a sub-3 ERA overall for the season. Not sure what we're going to be able to get out of Zach Britton along with Roldis Chapman for the remainder of the season. And for the Baltimore Orioles, you have seen a pair of guys, Keegan Aiken and Joey Crebio, really start to poop the bed here in recent days. Logan Gillespie, not bad in that bullpen. And then you do have Dylan Tatsy and El Perez and Felix Bautista posting up at sub-3 ERA for the Orioles. So it's just all about balance in this lineup. You've got Adley Rushman, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, Ramon Urias, Austin the Sayes kid, Kyle Stowers, only between about a 248 to 263 Santander, the main home run hitter with 33 home runs. You've had Mountcastle, Ryan Mountcastle give you about 22 home runs and his 250 average though. Plus all star break, hands but a little bit more shaky as well. And then Ode Mateo, Juan Cedric Mullins, they both rank in the top five in the American League in terms of stolen bases, but do have my question marks with regards to Austin both a little bit as well as he's really had a career renaissance since coming over to the Baltimore Orioles because while he was with the Washington Nationals, a 10-13 ERA it was a complete failure. He's now got a 2.77 ERA with the Baltimore Orioles though. His fielding independent significantly higher with the Baltimore Orioles than that 2.77 ERA. So I do think that he might be doing for a little bit of regression as he hasn't given up a lot of walks this season overall about 2.6 walks per 9 innings, about 1.1 home runs per 9 innings, but does have a little bit north of a 4 ERA on the road and we have seen recently him have some ups and downs only giving up to him runs at 18 and a third innings but has been offering a little bit less length as well and for Nestor Cortez who's going to be going for the New York Yankees he has been able to do a very solid job in the Bronx all season long as his home ERA 213 compared to a 306 road ERA giving up just five home runs at 80 and a third innings and he's been able to do a rock solid job all season long when he's been going up against opponents in the division most notably the Baltimore Orioles as he's won up against them twice 11 scoreless innings in two starts with just one walk and 19 strikeouts. I think that he's going to continue to dominate the Orioles, but I do think that the Yankees, they get into the Orioles' pen. I do think that they're going to put up some runs in. I don't think that the Orioles get shut out once again. I think that it's more like two runs in six innings that they're going to be able to generate. I do think that that should be enough to be able to push a seven and a half over. So, somebody tell it at 8.1. I am going to be taking a look at this total over. And when it comes to the money line slash run line, we are seeing the Yankees between even money to a plus 105 on the run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 107. So, going to be looking at the Yankees run line to go along with this total over. As we go 969-970 on the betting board, the Toronto Blue Jays. They play us to the Boston Red Sox. Brian Mayo is going to be going for Boston and Ross Rippling is on the bump for Toronto and Toronto between a minus 140 and a minus 146 favorite and in between plus 125 and plus 136. The number on Boston, 8.5 is the total. Unders between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs between even and minus 105 and when it comes to Toronto, I did set them 
as a favorite of minus 190. So this is going to be a play on the run line for me because if you're taking a look at the Toronto Blue Jays run line, you're getting between plus 135 and plus 140. I felt like it should have been closer to even money. Now, what I will say about Brian Bayo is that he has pitched much better than his numbers would indicate. Brian Bayo does not deserve the nearly five ERA that he has gotten as he's a guy that at the minor league level had issues with command but was able to have good swing and miss stuff and thus far at the major league level. He has shown that off. Eight half strikeouts per nine innings, but 4.2 walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, at the minor league level, he was getting right around 12 punch outs per nine innings. I do like the overall upside of Brian Bayo. I just don't like the fact that he's backed up by the worst bullpen in the big leagues in terms of ERA since the all-star break as Jacob Germany, Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Caleb Hort, they all have north of a 5 ERA. You're currently without Garrett Woodlock as well. And for Brian Bale, I mean, he's given up one home run in 53 and a third innings. And while that is all well and good, got to expect a little bit of regression from that. Because, I mean, he's been able to do a solid job. And he has given up a grand total of five earned runs over the course of his last five starts. Going between five and six innings in every one of these starts. But I do think that the regression monster is a little bit hungry and is going to be feasting on him especially going up against the Toronto Blue Jays lineup that I'll get to in a minute. But for Ross Stripling, he's been able to do a very good job at home all season long as well. Pitch a contact guy that is getting about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but a 270 home ERA compared to a 360 road ERA. For Stripling, he had an issue in his last two starts, giving up a combined six runs. So that was a little bit touch and go for him, but he's been able to do a solid job against Boston all season long, giving up six runs across four starts, 20 total innings, and just one home run to them as Boston has actually been down in terms of their home run numbers. Raphael Devers has been able to supply the deep balls. He's been able to slug out 27 home runs this season, hitting nearly a 270 for this team. And you do have Xander Bogarts, who might stand in the way of that Aaron Judge triple crown because he's been able to hit right around a 315 as well. You've got Alex Verdugo and Christian Arroyo do a good job moving the line. These guys hitting between about a 275 to 285, but the team has been without Arroyo for quite a bit. Rob Revsteiner has been able to do a solid job as well, but then you do take a look at this Toronto Blue Jays team, and you've got five different guys with at least 22 home runs this season, and everyone aside from Matt Chapman in that fold is hitting at least a 255 and with Chapman still right around a 325 on base as the other guys those are Boba Shett Tasker Hernandez, along with George Springer and Flaggero Jr. And Flaggero Jr. still hitting about a 275 as well. And then you've got someone like an Alejandro Kirk who's able to move the line, hitting about a 290 and fewer dead bats with the Blue Jays as well. It's guys like Bobby Dahlbeck and company for the Boston Red Sox. They have not necessarily been too terrific. And for Toronto, you've got the significantly better bullpen that is backing up Ross Stripling as well as Yimi Garcia, the closer in Jordan Romano, Tim Meza, David Phelps, Adam Simber. These are guys all posting up a sub-3-2 ERA. Anthony Bass has been a good addition for the team as well. I do think that the Blue Jays, in a game that they could really use for some playoff seating, they're going to be able to get to Brian Bale, they get into that bullpen, and then they light that bullpen ablaze. So, as a result, semi-total at 8.9. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I think that the Blue Jays are able to win this game by multiple runs, getting a nice plus price. That is calling my name. So, looking at the Jays on the run line to go along with this total over 971-972 on the banking board, it is the Oakland A's. They throw it a face-off against the Seattle Mariners. Luis Cassio is going to be going for Seattle, and J.P. Sears is going to be going for Oakland and Oakland. Between a plus 215 and a plus 225 underdog, anywhere between minus 245 and minus 255. The number on Seattle, 6.5 is the total. The overs between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders between minus 105 and minus 110. With J.P. Sears needed at least a plus 235 to fire in on him. If you're taking a look at the Seattle run line, it's between minus 105 and minus 110, and I'm going to lay it. I was going to 
way up to a minus 118 in this ordeal. And with Luis Castillo, he has had his issues against the Oakland A's, giving up three plus runs last two times he faced off against them. Both of those were road starts as well. And well, when you go to Oakland, it's very much a pitcher friendly ballpark. So that's not necessarily too terrific, but he's still backed up by a bullpen that has been rock solid all year long for the Seattle Mariners. I do recognize the nine run lead that was blown, and that was not necessarily too terrific against the Kansas City Royals, but you saw so many guys like Eric Swanson, Penn Murphy, Paul Seawalt, Andres Munoz that have been able to supply a sub-3 ERA all season long. Matt Brash, other than that day in Kansas City, has been able to do a solid job as well. And then you do take a look at the Oakland A's and they're dealing with a lot of injuries as Sam Mall, along with Zach Jackson and Danny Menace. They're currently on the injured list. Really, all you've got at this point is A.J. Puck, and A.J. Puck has just been completely overused. And then for J.P. Sears, we have seen the regression monster come and nibble him up. Over the last five starts, he has given up 20 runs and 20 and two-thirds innings with five home runs allowed along the way. And he has been able to do a good job against Seattle, giving up two runs, one of which was earned in 10 innings. But... I do think that that might be a reversing course as well because for the Seattle Mariners, they get back and Eugenio Suarez. He is their top home run hitter. Had a big home run for the team on Thursday, so that's good to see as he's been hitting about a 240 with those 31 home runs. Mitch Haniger, he's sitting in that fold as well, and Haniger has been a little bit slow to get going, but perhaps the home run that he hit against Texas to close out that series, that'll be able to get him going as you do have Carlos Santana, Ty France, and Cal Raleigh, all with between 19 and 25 home runs as well. And I will say for Raleigh, along with Carlos Santana, throwing there, Lewis Torrance, Jared Kelnick. These are guys in a 220 or lower for Seattle. They actually have the lowest batting average in the American League since the All-Star break, but they rank second in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis. So you got the positives and the negatives. And then for the Oakland A's, Sean Murphy, Seth Brown. These two guys have supplied a combined about 43 home runs this season. For Murphy, he's been with about a 255. And you got a lot of guys that are just hitting between about a 230 to a 235. Tony Kemp, who has been able to hit about a 300 over the last 30 days. Vadio Machin, a Brown, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Dermis Garcia. They're all in that fold now. Connor Capel has been hitting above a 300. Small sample size, though. Going into yesterday, he had, had just 42 at-bats at the big league bubble, so that is a little bit of an issue, and I do think that Luis Castillo is going to be able to find himself once again. It's been a rough last few starts for him, but his walks per nine rate, sub three with the Seattle Mariners, that is by far the best of his career. Overall for the season, he's done a nice job of containing the deep ball, 0.8 home runs per nine innings. This is a day game in Seattle, so it's going to be a little bit more hitter-friendly than normal, but I do think that with the Seattle Mariners, they should be able to get the job done. I think that they're going to be in for a very good start from Luis Castillo, so I'm going to be willing to take a look at the run line with the Seattle Mariners. I just think that we went a little bit too low with the 6F, especially with this being a daytime game. In a nighttime game, I might be willing to side a little bit more with the under, but J.P. Sears, very much a pitch of contact guy, only getting right around 6-6 strikeouts per 9-9, so the ball is going to be in play quite a bit in a little bit more of a hitter-friendly environment, so going to be taking a look at this little over, and I'm looking at the Seattle Mariners on the run line, 973-974 on the betting board, the Kansas City Royals, they throw a face off against the Cleveland Guardians. Zach Plesak is going to be going for Cleveland, and Chris with the K. Bubich is on the bump for Kansas City. 7.5 is the total. Over is between minus 105 to a minus 115. Same goes for the under and with Cleveland. They are anywhere between minus 185 and minus 190 favorites between plus 160 and plus 170. The number on Kansas City and if you're looking at that Cleveland run line, you're getting that between plus 105 and a plus 107 and I was willing to lay about a minus 110 in this ordeal so we're going to be taking a look at the Cleveland Guardians on the run line. We were mentioning it with our good friend Justin Perry. You just want no part whatsoever with Chris with a K, Boobich. 
He has been, well, not getting a lot of Ks as far as the season as his strikeouts per nine rate is about seven and a half. So it should be Chris with no K boobage. So it's just Riss boobage as he's got a 582 Brody rate, a 580 home ERA. And on the road, he's been giving up about 1.7 home runs per nine innings. So good news for him is that the weather has not been too terrific in Cleveland. It's been a little bit cold. It's been a little bit, shall we say, damp as well. But when it comes to the Cleveland Guardians, you still have so many guys that are able to move the line for the team as Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon, Stephen Kwan, all these guys, they have been able to at least a 273 for this team. And then when it comes to Ramirez, he's been in a little bit of funk recently, but nearly 120 RBI lead the team in home runs as well. Andres Jimenez and Josh Naylor combined 36 home runs between the two of them. Naylor, 315 on base. He's hitting about a 250 as well. So all these guys have been able to step up for the team. And I will say for the Kansas City Royals, they've been able to get a little bit of offense generated as Salvador Perez, Bobby Witt Jr. They've got a combined 42 home runs. Both of these guys throw in there. Michael A. Taylor, Nate Eaton hitting between about a 248 to a 265. Now, you've got guys like MJ Melendez that are not necessarily doing a great job of moving the line, but Ed Alvarez has been able to have 300. You've been able to have Mike Massey hit about a 250 for this bunch as well. Vinny Pascantino, since he's come off the injured list, his on-base percentage has been north of a 350. The problem that you've got with the Kansas City Royals, though, is that not only do you have a terrible starter in Chris with a K. Bubich, but this bullpen is a hot mess right now. It's Anthony Machevich, Amir Garrett, Luke Weaver, Carlos Hernandez, all at least a 5 ERA. Do have a trio of guys in Taylor Clark, Scott Barlow, and then Dylan Coleman that have been able to supply a sub-3-2 ERA, but this Cleveland team has them completely outgunned when it comes to the bullpen as James Karen, Chuck Emanuel, Classe. They've got sub-2 ERAs in the back half of that bullpen, and then you've got Trevor Steven, who has been amazing, along with Angel De Los Santos, throwing their Nick Sandlin as well. They've been able to all supply a sub-3 ERA now. The one issue that you do have with Cleveland in this game is that Zach Fleasack has been on the injured list for quite a while. Did not make a start throughout the entire month of September. So Fleasack is coming in a little bit cold. And he's got a 3-11 record this season. He deserved better than a 3-11 record. Someone that is not going to give out a lot of free passes. That's overall for the season. Fleasack about 2.8-ish walks per nine innings. The 5.30-ish ERA. It's nothing great. It's nothing terrible. He doesn't necessarily have too many demonstrative home and road splits, and it's not like he gives up the deep ball a ton. You would like to see it to be a little bit lower than right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but that's actually a career low for him, but the big thing is he does give up quite a bit of contact, only about seven strikeouts per nine innings, so he has a 381 home ERA, 483 road ERA. I do think that this sort of an environment could be good for him against the Kansas City Royals team that they're doing a good job of being able to put back to ball, but at the same time, they are not really cranking out the deep ball as well, so I do think that it's going to be a lot of station-to-station baseball, and I do think that we're going to see a lot of this just tremendous Guardians bullpen in general. As a result, semi-tilted at 8.2 here at the 7.5. Going to be taking a look at the over, and I do think that even with the Royals getting a few runs off of Plesak, that Cleveland going to be able to light our good friend Chris with the K, Bubich ablaze. So, it's a spot where I'm going to be taking a look at the run line of Cleveland goal along with this total over. 975-976 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins at the road face off against the Detroit Tigers. As you've got Drew Hutchinson, who's going to be going for the Tigers, and Dylan Dunk Call me Al Bundy going for the Minnesota Twins with the Twins. They are slight favorites of between minus 118 and minus 125. Between plus 105 and plus 110 is your number on Detroit. 7.5 is the total. Overs between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is any between even and minus 105. With the Twins, I did make them a minus 135 favorite. Now, Dylan Duncan Al Bundy is far from terrific, but he's going into a Detroit environment in which is going to be a little bit more friendly to pitchers. It's a pitcher-friendly ballpark to start with. 
weather is starting to cool down just a little bit, but with Film Bundy, the one thing that he does a solid job of is not giving up a lot of walks. He only gives up about two walks per nine innings, so that should keep traffic on the base pass to a little bit more of a minimum. Big thing with him is that he's been giving up 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but going up against a Detroit Tigers team that is currently dead last in terms of the American League, in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. I will say Javi Baez starting to really eat up for the team, hitting about a 325 over the last 35 days. He's up to 16 home runs overall for the season. And you do have quite a few Tigers around him that have been able to move the line. It's Kerry Carpenter, Miguel Cabrera, Riley Green, Eric Haas. All these guys are in just north of a 250 along Victor Reyes as well. They're in between about a 250 to a 260. And then you've been able to have Willie Castro be able to move the line as well. You still have guys like Akil Badu, Jonathan Scope, Mike Kreidler, Spencer Torkelson guys hitting a 220 or lower, but it has been improving a little bit for the Detroit Tigers. And then on the flip side for the Detroit Tigers, they have been having their bullpen issues as well. Since the beginning of the month of August, they rank 19th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, right around a 420 in that time span. And for Drew Hutchinson, it's been a little bit all over the place for him because he has been giving up right around four walks per nine innings, but has actually been able to do an okay job of keeping the ball in the yard, giving up about 1.25 home runs per nine innings while giving up about 3.6, 3.7 walks per nine innings. Very much a pitcher contact guy as his strikeouts per nine rate is in that neighborhood about 5.6. 521 home ERA compared to a 368 which I find to be a little bit befuddling. Opponents are only hitting about a 226 off of them on the road compared to a 300 at home, which I'm not necessarily sure how that works out. And for Hutchinson, about a 620 ERA overall in the last three days. And for the Minnesota Twins, I do think that they're going to be able to generate just enough offense to be able to get this total over because they've got a lot of guys that move the line, even with Byron Buxton and Orde Palanco currently out of the fold as Jose Miranda, Gio Urshela, Nick Gordon, these guys sitting between about a 272, 280, and then Carlos Correa. He's been able to hit a 285. He has logged out over 20 home runs. Gilberto Celestino has been able to do a solid job hitting about a 240. Matt Wallner has been able to above a 250 as well. So you've got redeeming qualities there. And for the Tigers, Jason Foley has started to act up a little bit. He, Alex Lang, north of the 350 ERA. Gregory Soto has been a little bit all over the place as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, very average bullpen there. Right around the middle of the league in terms of darn near every statistical category when it comes to relief pitching that I really like you under. And he's been able to supply a sub-2 ERA, throws 100-plus miles per hour. He has been absolutely magnificent for this team. And then you've been able to get a little bit of production as well out of Griffin Jacks right around a 333 ERA. Caleb Theobar, post all He has been able to do a very solid job as well. Since they picked up Michael Fulmer, he's been able to do a good job. Ode Lopez, since they picked him up, he has been providing north of 4 ERA. That has been a little bit of an issue. And Trevor McGill, north of a 6 ERA as well. So you've got your good and bad with the Minnesota Twins. With Bundy, I really don't expect him to go north of 5 innings, but I don't think that he completely screws it up in this spot just because I don't think that the Detroit Tigers are going to be able to take him deep. I do think that the Twins do just enough of playing station-to-station baseball to put runs up on Drew Hutchinson to be able to cash this over and cash a money line. So, taking a look at the Minnesota Twins up to a minus 135 and taking a look at the 7.5 over. 977-978 on the main board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays on the road facing off against the Houston Astros. Christian Javier is going to be going for the Astros and Shane McClanahan is on the bump for the Rays. And the Rays are an underdog of between plus 135 to plus 140 between minus 150 and minus 155 is the number on Houston. 6.5 is the total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even a little bit surprised that Shane McClanahan is making this start. I was willing to take the Rays as a plus 140 or greater. I would not be surprised if Shane McClanahan is on a very tight leash 
in this spot. And this could be honestly one of these games in which we see a little bit of a late switch or Rooney to like a bullpen game just because with Shane McClanahan, he has not necessarily looked too terrific since he's been dealing with some arm fatigue issues and what have you. But I do think that if you do get Shane McClanahan in this spot, he's going to be able to look a little bit better than he did the last time out in which he just got completely barbecued. And well, for Shane McClanahan in general, it has been a very good season up until the arm issues, but you've got to evaluate him a little bit differently in my opinion. Like this would normally be a spot in which Shane McClanahan would be more around like a pick slash a very slight underdog instead I had to set up at a plus 137. Meanwhile for Christian Javier, he has been able to do a really good job in his last four starts giving up one earned run in his last four starts. He did give up two unearned runs, but I mean still he has been able to do an absolutely magnificent job all season long of getting swings and misses. His strike us per nine rate that is hovering in the neighborhood of 11 to 45 home area compared to a 284 ERA on the road. He has given up the deep ball a little bit at home, right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings when he is at home, but he faces off against the Tampa Bay Rays team that they've only got two guys with north of 12 home runs this season. That would be Isaac Paredes and then Randy Orozarena. Orozarena is hitting about a 265, and the good news for the Rays is that they got Yandy Diaz back in the fold on Friday. He's got nearly a 400 on base. He's been hitting about a 290 along with Manuel Margot. Harold Ramirez is hitting above a 300, so these guys have been able to supply some boom. Francisco Mejia, Christian Bethencourt, the catchers, they've been okay, but you got Paredes who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Jose Sierra Taylor Walls hitting a 220 or lower. And for the Houston Astros, you really don't have a lot of breaks with this lineup. Trey Boomer Mancini is not hit for a lot of average, but he's been able to crank out the deep ball while he's been with the Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez north of 35 home runs. He's looking like the pre-all-star break form of himself. Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, a combined 57 home runs entering into Friday's tilt at, with Altuve hitting nearly a 300. Alex Bregman, he's got 23 home runs, a 370 on base. So lots of fearsome bats in that lineup still for the Astros. Batting average is a little bit down, but they still don't strike out a lot. They still have a lot of power. And then with the Astros as well, they are number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Brian Abreu, Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero, throwing their Seth Martinez, all supplying a sub-3 ERA this season. They're probably going to be without Martinez in this game, but you still have Ryan Presley, who's been able to do a solid job. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got Pete Fairbanks, who has been able to supply a sub-2 ERA along Jason Adam this season. Javier, not necessarily someone that you want to be trusting in too much, but Brooks Raley, he's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Colin Pooch has been having his ups and downs all season long, but still a 330 ERA, even though he's been acting up a little bit here in the last few games, and I do think that with Shane McClanahan, he's still going to be able to get some swings and misses. I think that he looks a little bit better than he did in his last start overall for the season. Still has a 250 ERA. Still has been able to get right around 10 and a half straight cuts per nine innings. I think that the market has bottomed out a little bit too far on Shane McClanahan, so being able to get the plus price that we are right now, right around a plus 135 to a plus 140, needed at least a plus 137. I'm going to fire in there. I do think that McClanahan is going to give up some runs. I do think that Christian Javier is going to give up a deep ball or two as well. I think the six half, just a little bit too low in this spot. Semi tell is 7.2, so looking over and looking at the Rays, 979, 980 on the bank board. It is the LA Angels playing out to the Texas Rangers. Cole Reagans is going to be going for the Rangers, and Jose Suarez is on the bump for the Angels and the Angels. They are pretty good favorites of any between minus 144 and minus 150, anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135, the number on Texas. It is the total, seeing a couple 8.5s out there as well on the 8.5. Unders minus 120, the overs even on the 8. Overs between minus 110 and minus 120. 
unders between even and minus 110. And when it comes to the Angels, set them as a minus 164 money line favorite. When it comes to Jose Suarez, he has been one of the more underrated pitchers in all of baseball. You take a look at his numbers in the second half of the season, and they have been pretty stinking impressive as actually has a little bit of a higher home ERA than he does a road ERA. 435 home ERA compared to an ERA of more around a 375 on the road. Overall for the season, has been giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings, so he's been relatively stable there. The strikeout numbers, it's not like he's completely blowing guys away, but he gets right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and he always was a little bit of a better bullpen pitcher rather than a starter. He really had to make that leap, and he's been able to make that a little bit more here towards the second half of the season as you take a look at what he's been able to do since the All-Star break, and he's been posting up an ERA of a 284, so been very impressed there with getting right around eight punch-outs per nine innings in that time span. And for the LA Angels, the bullpen has been able to shape up a little bit as well. Aime Badia has posted up a 220 ERA since the All-Star break, Zach Wise has a sub-3 ERA. You've had Jimmy Harrigan be able to supply about a 250 ERA as well, so these guys are able to support him. And for Cole Reagans, he's got a lot of upside, but Currently at the big league level, he's not much of a swing and miss guy that gives up four walks per nine innings, and he gives up the deep balls. His home runs per nine innings, that's right around about 1.4, and I do think that Cole Reagans, in like two to three years, he's a good developmental project. He's been able to give you a 476 road ERA in his three starts, but... He's just not ready for the big leagues at this point, though. He does have a bullpen behind him that is not too bad. You've got a pair of guys in Brock Burke and Matt Moore that have been able to give you a sub-2-3 ERA. Jonathan Hernandez has been posting up an ERA that is right around a 2-30 as well. John King has been a little bit up and down north of a 4 ERA, but he's had his moments here towards back half of the season. And Asus Sinoko, he's got a sub-2 ERA as well. And then when it comes to the Texas Rangers lineup, you've got a trio of guys with 26-plus home runs, actually approximately 26 for all three of these guys entering into Friday. Nate Lowe, Ada Elise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Simeon and Garcia both hitting in that pocket about 250 to 255. Nate Lowe, 305 batting average. Corey Seager has been the main home run hitter for the team, but most likely going to be out for this game as he's been dealing with some injuries. But you still have moving the line, someone like uh, Bubba Thompson hitting about a 285. Flip side for the LA Angels, very much a top heavy lineup. As you've got your four guys at the top in Luis Ranifo, Mike Trout, Shea Otani, and Taylor Ward, all in between about a 273 to a 281 entering into Friday with Trout and Otani a combined 72 home runs this season then when you get down to it you've got guys like Joe Adele you're able to throw in there the entirety of the catcher spot for this team and other guys that are just hitting a 225 or lower it's not been too terrific on that front but from for the Angels have been able to do a solid job I do think that this is going to be a relatively well pitched game I just think that Cole Reagans is going to give up a runs upon runs which is why I did set my toll at an 8.2 so I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot and with Jose Suarez I do think that he's going to do a good job against the Texas Rangers I could see him giving up a deep ball or two because this is a Rangers lineup that they do have quite a few good matchers and they've got guys towards the bottom of the fold doing a good job of being able to move the line as well so taking a look at the over and I'm going to be taking a look at the Angels and I think I'm going to just stick with the money line you're able to get that Angels run line between a plus 135 to a plus 140 needed at least a plus 125 I see a little bit more of an edge just sticking with the money line so we're going to play it safe here and we wrap things up with 981-982 on the betting board. Chicago White Sox are going to be on the road facing off against the San Diego Padres. Mike Levenger is going to be going for the pods and Dylan Cease on the bump for the White Sox. Seven is the total. Overs between minus 115 to a minus 120. Unders between even a minus 105 with the uh, Padres. They are between minus 120 and minus 106 favorites and between minus 104 to a plus 105 
is your price on the White Sox. I set the White Sox as a minus 127 favorite. I just can't go up against Dylan Cease in this spot. Dylan Cease has been able to be absolutely incredible all season long for the White Sox, and he has done his best work on the road. For Dylan Cease, 206 ERA overall this season, but 235 home ERA, Buck 63 ERA on the road. I recognize that the Rockies start a few starts ago was not necessarily too terrific for him. He, in his last five starts, has given up four runs. He has been amazing. He's getting 12 strikeouts per nine innings. The one thing is, length can sometimes be a little bit of an issue. He gives up right around three and a half walks per nine innings, but I mean, this guy has gotten the job done time and time again. You can't ask anything more out of Dylan Cease. Now, in the bullpen, you've got Jimmy Lambert and Reynaldo Lopez, pair of failed starters with a sub-3-2 ERA. Kendall Grayman has had a little bit of a rocky go of it the last few weeks, but he and also Liam Hendricks are still solid in the back half of that bullpen. Now, for the Chicago White Sox, they rank in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, but saw plenty of guys moving the line, and quite a few of these guys in between 14 and 15 home runs. As Elvis Andrews in a White Sox uniform, he's been able to hit about a 260, and then you've got Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, along with Andrew Vaughn, only a 275 or greater for Jimenez and Abreu above a 300. All three of these guys have been able to supply between 15 and 17 home runs. You know, Makata has not necessarily been too terrific this season, but he has been able to give the team 12 home runs. Josh Harrison towards bottom of the fold, he's hitting a 260. AJ Pollock has been a little bit up and down, and for the San Diego Padres, they just haven't gotten what they traded for. Brandon Drury, along with Juan Soto and Josh Bell, only at 250 or lower since they got to town. None of these guys with north of six home runs thus far as well. Now, a guy, Manny Machado, who's been a great concert all season long, hitting at 330-plus home runs, and then a lot of these guys, they're hitting in that fold of, I would say, about a 235 to a 252. Austin Nola, Jake Cronenworth, Rickson Profar, Juan Soto, Hassam Kim, they're all in that neighborhood, and for the Chicago White Sox, I honestly think that they back up their pitcher a little bit better than the San Diego Padres because the Padres, they're without Nobel Crisman in the bullpen, one of their better pieces. You've had Adrian Motajon be a little bit more of a long guy, along with Dick Martinez, and Martinez has been saw Motajon. It's been a little bit up and down. Robert Suarez, a sub-250 ERA, and I will say, for Josh Hader, eight straight appearances without an earned run allowed, so he's been able to pick it up just a little bit. Gave up an earned run a little bit earlier in the week against the Dodgers. That was completely not his fault, but I do think that Dylan C's going to come out. He is going to be able to dominate, and for Mike Clevenger, he is benefited quite a bit by the fact that he's going to be pitching in Petco, and he's going up against a bunch that they don't necessarily supply the deep ball. It's a big thing for Mike Clevenger this year is that he's been very average aside from the deep ball, giving up about 1.7 home runs per nine innings. Walks per nine rate is about 2.8 strikeouts per nine, a little bit over seven, so he has been terrible, he has been great, 449 ERA, has been significantly better at home, 307 home ERA, 546 ERA on the road, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's given up the deep ball quite a bit when he is on the road, so did set my total at 6.6, I think that we're in for a low scoring game, going to be taking a look at the under and made the White Sox the minus 127 favorite, so looking at the Southsiders on the money line, and that wraps things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, big thanks to Justin Perry over there at Shock Quality bets for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, got one of two ways we are for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way, that is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast five that five star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. I'll chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.